1: 213- 401 80 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24 365 Welcome back, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon on the Talkstar Radio Network and on the Exxon Broadcast Network. Being broadcast around the world on our family of affiliates, Red right across Canada, the United States, Central America, the Caribbean, South America, the Pacific Rim, Australia, Asia, India, Africa, and Europe. If you'd like to give us a call, toll-free 1-800-610-7035. That's toll-free worldwide 1-800-610-7035. My email address, xzone at com On MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www.xzoneradiotv.com. My guest this hour, Zone Nation, is Pablo Solomon. We're going to be talking about art and mysticism. Now, since 1988, Pablo has lived on his historic 1856 ranch in the Texas Hills country with his wife and creative inspiration, Beverly. Before acting as Pablo's business manager and muse, Beverly worked as a model and then in sales and marketing for Dion von Fristenberg, Revlon, and Ralph Lauren. Pablo's art has led him to such adventures as having a bit of uh, part in a Latin soap opera and being a founding teacher at the Houston Contemporary Dance Theater. Pablo has traveled and studied extensively. He speaks five languages and is a Zen master of the Zen arts. Joining me now is Pablo Solomon. Pablo, welcome to the X-Zone. Great having you with us.
2: Great to be with you, Rob.
1: Tell me a little bit about your adventure with Zen arts.
2: Well, you know, Rob, that's, that's a great story. I grew up in a multicultural home in some of the poorest neighborhoods in Houston, Texas. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine being a skinny, sickly kid who loved art Mm -hmm. i was the target of bullies growing up well i was lucky that when i was 12 years old a guy that had been stationed with the u.s military in japan had just gotten back home and he'd studied jujitsu while he was there and he got me interested and so starting at 12 years old i got involved in japanese martial arts of one sort or another and over the years a number of other martial arts but that led to my studying a lot of Japanese art, Japanese flower arranging, a whole series of things, which instilled in me this love for the simplicity of uh, of line, the simplicity of form mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. see so often in, in Japanese woodcuts and so forth.
1: You, you know, Pablo, I've got an expression. It's my favorite saying that life is simple. Humanity complicates it.
2: Gosh, that's a, you know, we share that. Let let me share this with your listeners real quick. One of the greatest discoveries I ever made in my life, and and I'm sure out there among the people listening to you, many, many more have made the same discovery, is that, yes, life is simple if you can break it down into its components. The most complicated thing there is, if you understand the simple basics, Mm -hmm. you can understand it. And I always, as an artist, I use this example you can take the most amazing mixture of colors or the most uh, varied number of tones of whatever color you name, but deep down you know it's made of the three primary colors.
3: That's right.
2: And if you can understand that about human behavior, about politics, about money, about anything, if you can break it down to those just absolute primary basics and get to the root of it, you can understand anything and you can make the most complex relatively simple.
1: Pablo, you and I have to take a commercial break. Please stand by. Exxonation, Pablo Solomon is my very special guest this hour. We're going to be talking about art and mysticism. As the Exxon continues on the Talk Star Radio Network and the Exxon Broadcast Network. Toll free worldwide, 1-800-610-7035. Email exxon at com To find out more about Pablo Solomon, visit his website, www.pablosolomon.com. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Take a step back in time and discover old Florida cuisine at Marsh Landing Restaurant in Felsmere. Enjoy delicacies such as frog legs, gator tail, catfish, and swamp cabbage, or enjoy the more traditional cuisine like hand-cut Angus steaks, ribs, and seafood. Join us for breakfast with a southern flair featuring sweet potato pancakes, biscuits and gravy, and much more. Planning a party? Marsh Landing's private dining room can accommodate groups from 8 to 80 people. While you're visiting, enjoy the historic pictures, artifacts, and stories that line the walls. Marsh Landing is truly a unique experience. Marsh Landing Restaurant, 44 North Broadway in historic Felsmere. Or visit marshlandingrestaurant.com. Marsh Landing. Old Florida cuisine at its best. Are you interested in the paranormal, ghosts, UFOs, or psychic phenomenon? Join me, Tim Bartley, co-host of Talking to Spirits with Lightworkers, Tim and Justina, coming mid-January 2017 to the XZBN. We will channel spirits live and talk to them, revealing all kinds of amazing information. Spiritual attachments will be found and removed on the show, and so much more. To find out when you can listen to Talking to Spirits with Lightworkers Tim and Justina, visit www.xzbn.net for listeners on
2: both sides of the veil.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Pablo Solomon is my special guest this hour www.pablosolomon.com. All right, so you told us a little bit about your childhood as you were a, you know, you were an artistic kid who was a little scrawny growing up in in Houston, and then you told us about the transition over into studying the martial arts and and Zen, and when did when did your experiences with with the martial arts and the study of Zen change, when did it become the focus of your life?
2: Okay, it became an equal focus with my art. You know, Mm -hmm. I've been interested in art ever since I was a small child. But it it really is interesting how our lives work. You know, that's why I believe our paths laid out for us. Um, My study of martial arts, led to my getting involved in dance because I, I realized I was clumsy, I didn't have good timing, you know? I didn't have good balance, all these things, and that dance would probably help me out. Plus, what a great place to meet women, you know. And So I got involved in dance and I ended up uh, becoming a founding teacher at the Houston Contemporary Dance Theater. I taught various martial arts type things and tai chi and and stage martial arts and this kind of thing and all the time i took dance to improve my own balance and coordination and limberness and all this sort of thing and of course this led me to be become very very interested in dance to the point that for years and years the major subject of my art material have have been dancers i'm known literally around the world for my drawings and sculptures of dancers and so uh, it, that, that's how, how they, they started to blend. And like I said, the, uh, the study of the Japanese art and just the, the overall philosophy, the overall mindset of simplicity and having an open mind and
3: mm-hmm. not
2: having predetermined thoughts but allowing yourself to experience the here and now, that sort of thing, all those were factors not only in my martial arts and my interest in dance and, my, and so forth. But obviously, a very important factor in my art. And, Rob, everything came together. It's just amazing. You know, we talk about these, these really unique experiences. When I was, I'd studied martial arts like a fanatic for years. Hmm. Filipino knife fighting. In fact, I trained commandos for a while. I, I I got to be a pretty tough guy, even though I was an artist. You know, it's quite a dichotomy. But. When I was 35 years old, I had a dream one night, and it changed my entire life. I've it. May, this dream may not mean anything to your listeners, but some may. I, I dreamed I, I saw the sphere suspended in space. It, it was a crystal ball, and it was lit brightly, and it was being hit by bolts of lightning as it spun. And these bolts of lightning were being deflected in different directions, and so forth, and the light came on. I, I realized that all the martial arts that I'd studied, different types of Chinese martial arts and Japanese martial arts and Korean martial arts and blah, 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 that they all had this, could be broken down into the most simple concepts, and that is everything is either a straight line or a circular motion, and, and a few other little things along that line, whether you're twisting somebody's joints, whether you're throwing them, whether you're hitting them, kicking mm-hmm. them. You can break it all down into just these just basics. And all of a sudden, Rob the Light just came on. At that point, I realized that I was on my way. Now, no one ever is truly a, quote, master, and any so-called master will admit that. But I realized that I was on my way and that it was time for me to uh, quit being like a robot learner and just learning other people's martial arts and blah, 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 but to take the basics that I'd learned from all these different systems from people all over the world, and put it together with my own personality and my own flair and my mm-hmm. own experiences and my own strengths and weaknesses, and that was a real turning point in my life. After that, it, it was just it was just amazing. I, I had this just this em, enormous amount of confidence. I had this enormous amount of understanding. And amazingly, many, many people then would come to me for learning because I was able to um, project and to explain and to demonstrate some of these basic principles in a way that other people could understand and in a way that they, they began to see, you know, how all, all movement ties together and so forth.
1: Why is it that you believe in today's society? I I see more and more people turning to art. I see more and more people turning to spiritualism. Those who were rough and tough are now taking a different look at life. You're an artist. You're a a Zen master. Tell me, why is it, in your opinion, that these changes are happening? Well,
2: I I think if you look at even the greatest martial artist of all time so there, I'm sure a number of your listeners have heard um, The Book of Five Rings it was written by a Japanese swordsman the, probably the greatest Japanese swordsman of all time Masachi and after spending an entire lifetime as being just phenomenally skillful yet brutal and swordsman who killed numerous people in duels and battles and all those sort of things when he became 50 years old, he retreated to a cave and decided that it was time for him to concentrate on bringing peace and harmony mm-hmm. to himself and to other people. And while he was there, he did the most amazing points and the most amazing drawings. In fact, in Japanese art, if you know, the Japanese spend a lot of money even on Western art. But the most valuable, the most expensive, we're talking multi, multi-million dollar price tags go to Masashi's uh, poems and his illustrations that he that he did the last few years of his life. And I think as you reflect on your life, you really understand that, yes, there is a place for violence. There really is. You know, you, there are times you have to defend yourself, you have to defend your family, you have mm-hmm. to defend your country, you have to defend principles and so forth. But in general... That what we really should be striving for is peace, and if we have enough strength within ourselves, and I think it takes years to get that confidence and that feeling of that you have enough strength within yourself to be gentle and to be kind and to be quiet and to not not react and maybe even turn the other's cheek, literally, and those sorts of things. Once you once you have enough understanding, self-understanding in internal strength and internal confidence and experience, then pretty soon the physical really begins to take less and less importance. Once you've mastered the physical, Robert, I reached a point in my life where I knew that maybe I couldn't beat up everybody. I wouldn't want to, but nobody could hurt me. I was that skillful. I really was. It it didn't matter if they had knives. I didn't care. I, I was that skillful. And but I also began to understand that that would fade. That would fade as I got older. And, and I also understood that one mistake, one blink of the eye, one slip, no matter how good you are, you could be dead. I, uh, and the, But I also knew that there was this after, you know, let's call it afterlife or continuation of life, whatever you want to say. And in the long run, what really counted was while we were here, do we make a difference in other people's lives? as far as bringing them understanding, as far as promoting peace, as far as promoting opportunity for other people, justice for other people. And I think as as I've matured, my art has become more of a reflection of myself in that it's fun. You know, I used to do serious art. Now, now my art's more and more fun. But also my life is much more calm and much more focused on just life, Just I get up every day, Rob, and, and luckily I live out here in the, a beautiful part of Texas up in the hills, and we have a beautiful spring-fed Creek and all this, mm-hmm. and I can just walk around and just literally be, and I know this is a cliche, but one with nature, and um, now my focus in life is trying to communicate to other people the value of being harmonious with Nature and harmonious with other people, and learning to have the strength and the courage to be kind and to be gentle and to be helpful and to be uh, non-aggressive and all these sorts of things.
1: How has how has all this improved your your value of life, your love for life, and the love that you have for others?
2: You know. I'm going to tell you a story it was pop, this this was you you talk about turning points this dream I had was a turning point but as far as a, an actual life lesson mm-hmm. I want to share this with your listeners and and it it was a turning point in my life for years I had a storefront uh, we call them in this in the states you know like in a, a shopping center but that faces a parking lot but I had a large building uh, that I shared with a lady who she would teach dance and things, and I taught martial arts and various things. And every morning, I would go to my building and unlock it and clean it up and get everything ready for the morning class, whether it would be the ladies' dance classes or, or my uh, martial arts classes or whatever. And one day, I, I show up, and here's this guy half-passed out in front of my
1: my building. You know, All right, you know what we're going to old... do? We're going to have a little bit of, a, of an old... Cliffhanger here because we've got to take a commercial break.
3: Okay, Stand by. On for a while. All
1: right. Pablo Solomon is our very special guest. www.pablosolomon.com. We're talking about arts and mysticism this hour in the Exxon. If you'd like to give me a call, toll free worldwide, 1 800 610 7035. Email exxon at com On MSN Messenger, TV at Hotmail.com. Our website, TV.com. Pablo Solomon and I will be back on the other side of the news. Don't go away.
0: This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network,
1: Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365 Pablo Solomon is my special guest at this hour. Exonation www.pablosolomon.com is his website. And, uh, Pablo, you told me that you feel like our path is predetermined. Now, before you answer this question, let's get back to that cliffhanger we left the listeners with.
2: Okay. Yeah, I think when we left off, I had gone to my building, Mm -hmm. and there was a a fellow laying out front. And, uh, you know, Rob, my first reaction was, oh, my goodness, here's some bum." laying out here in front of my building. These ladies are going to get here pretty soon, you know. They're going to be embarrassed. This guy's about half out of it. He may say something or do something. Wow, what kind of martial arts guy am I not to defend my territory and defend these women from this hobo? He's got to go, you know. And I was about ready to, you know, grab the guy by the collar and kind of drag him off or whatever. And my neighbor, the, the business that was next to mine, was a barber. Mm-hmm. and the barber comes out and before i could say or do anything with this with this this guy that was passed out in front of my building he kneels down to the guy and kind of picks him up and the guy wakes up and the barber says to him you know fella things must be going pretty bad for you to have to spend the day out at night out here on our sidewalk and rob the barber then Gets the man up, takes him to his barbershop. The guy was filthy. The the, the barber takes him to his barbershop, washes the gentleman's hair, gives him a shave, gives him a haircut, cleans him up the best he can there, you know, with what he had there, goes next door and buys the guy a clean set of clothes, gets on the phone, calls a guy he knows that hired day laborers, and gets the guy a job. Wow. And I'm standing there feeling like I should burn in hell. You know, I'm thinking, my gosh, my whole mindset was focused on me. It was, yeah. you know, and this guy had the real courage and the real kindness. He took the chance. He was a good Samaritan. He took the chance. He, didn't, he wasn't worried about the, his image or the image of our business. He was worried about this guy as a human being. And This was a life-changing moment for me, Rob. It humbled me. It absolutely humbled me, and it made me realize, yeah, tough guy, if you're so tough, why, why were you nervous or afraid or, or jittery about some bum sitting out there? You know, you should have been like him, concerned about this guy as a human, and what can you do to, to make this guy maybe help him out? And anyhow, it was a life-changing moment.
1: As I, as I was as I was saying before, I realized we had a cliffhanger. Um, you told me earlier that you feel our path is predetermined. How do we find out what our path is, or are we just uh, floating along a river or the slipstream of our life? Like, how do we know? Well, you know,
2: <laughs> Bob, that's a good one. You know, I think that has baffled humans for. From- from day one, and and I and I like the analogy of the river and the slipstream. I don't know if your listeners are familiar enough with with water, but I grew up around not only rivers but along mm-hmm. the coast when when I was a kid. And uh, you know, you usually you have the mainstream on the river, but then oddly enough, you have what's called a slipstream, in which the water actually kind of flows upstream, for for in, uh, along the edge of, of the river in in, in cases and. You know, I think so many of us are in the mainstream of the river, and, you know, some people call it the highway to hell or mm-hmm. whatever, but we're just floating right along with life and, and never never stopping to think of where that river is going to take us or if it's the river we should be going on or if we're going to end up in the right body of water when it dumps into the ocean. And then others of us actually are heading upstream. We're fighting, we're fighting to do the right thing. But it's strictly by accident. We just kind of floated over there to the side of the river, and the slipstream's kind of taking us in, in, away from total destruction. But it's, it's certainly nothing that we, that we figured out on our own. And I, and I think that one of the greatest gifts you can have in life is to have the understanding, or at least the confidence, whether it's true or false. Let's hope it's true. But to have the confidence that you found. For want of a better word, God's purpose for your life, your, the, the path that was laid out for you that's the most positive path, the path that you were born to follow, the, the road that you were born to be taking, and so forth. And that's why I, I say that if, if this is probably, of all the challenges for us, is to be in touch with ourselves, be in touch with God, be in touch with nature be in touch with this, and I call it a river of knowledge that's just out there in the universe. If we can ever tap, I'm, I'm an absolute believer that everything, everything that we really need to know on every level is out there for us, if we can, A, open our eyes, and the one of the toughest things to do to, to open our eyes is to free ourselves of fear, prejudice, hatred, preconceived notions, all these things. But if we can open up enough, then I truly, and, and we're sincere, you know, you can't just want, well, you know, I, I, you know, we all verbalize we want to do the right thing, and we all verbalize we want, want to follow the right path and all this stuff. But, you know, half the time we know we're, we're lying to ourselves. We want to do what we damn well please. Mm-hmm. But if we can ever reach the point where we truly, you know, can humble ourselves enough to say, you know, I really do want to do what I was put on earth to do, and we actively seek it with a very humble and very, uh, what's, the, what's the word I'm looking for here, Rob, uh, curious mind, and we're sincere about it. I think the doors will be open. You know, the Bible teaches, you know, knock and it shall be sure. open, and the, whole, the whole thing. And and I really do. I think once, once we as humans understand what our path is and if we can ever get on it, even though we're going to fall off of it, we're going to drift off of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if we could, in general, follow the correct path for us, you know, that we were put here for, our life's going to be more productive. We're going to be happier as human beings, and we're going to touch other people in a way that will help them, that'll make their lives better. You know, it's one thing to follow a path where everything is me, me, me. Yeah, you might, you know, that might work okay, but at some point, I think you've experienced I've experienced, most of your listeners have experienced, there's a real joy when you know that you were that you came into another person's life at just the right time, and just the right place, and you said or did just the right thing and uh, made their life better.
1: I understand that in your times as a starving artist, and I'm just using that as a cliche, you actually read tarot cards on a beach.
2: Oh, boy. Here we go. D- now you're, <laughs> you're in for a good one here. <laughs> You know, I still look back on this as probably one of the most bizarre and yet actually frightening experiences of my entire life. Rob, I I really have. I've done everything under the sun to to stay alive uh, on my road to success as an artist. I've got to give myself credit. I've I've been disciplined. I've been focused. I've been tenacious. Mm -hmm. And I've done everything. But one of the, the craziest things, I was at a yard sale one day i don't know if you have those in, in oh we and sure I, do yeah and and there was this old lady i mean we're, we're talking old you know scary mm-hmm. and she mm-hmm. had lots of weird stuff and she had this 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 deck of terror cards and they were in i, still, I can see the box to my, this day it was they were in an orange box and they had this witch on the on the box this really spooky witch and I and I started to you know I, I just I was attracted to them I, I just I was like drawn like a magnet you know, and I picked them up and I, I reluctantly opened the box and these cards were exceptionally beautiful they were they were of an exceptionally uh, high quality print and obviously quite old probably not. well you know by American standards old you know probably a hundred years old or something then I I got them from this lady for like a dollar or fifty cents or something. And and as I was taking them, she she just said the strangest thing. She said, be careful, young man. They will possess you if you're not careful. And I went, oh, yeah, right. This old lady's playing games with me. You know, she's screwing with my head or whatever, you know. And so uh, that summer I I got to go all the way from Texas. I had some friends up in uh, New Bedford, Massachusetts. At one time, the whaling capital of the world, blah, blah, blah. Uh, in in Texas, we're used to having public beaches, free beaches. We mm-hmm. we we were under Napoleonic Spanish law, Spanish and Napoleonic law or here in Texas, and so all the beaches are are open to the public. You can walk hundreds of miles down the beach with no obstruction. Whereas in New England, they're under they were under British law, so they have all these private beaches, and every township has their own beach and blah blah. Well, my buddy was a lifeguard at one of the beaches, you know. And, so while he was working, you know, I'd, I'd be down there doing tarot card readings on the beach. And, of course, you know, I'm 20, 21 years old or something, you know, thought, I was, you know, I guess I was good looking and all this and all these hot chicks and everything. So I'm doing these tarot card readings and getting, I can't, I can't remember, a dollar or something, which in those days was pretty good money because I, I, I'd been working in the oil fields for $2 an hour, 12 hours a day, wow. you know, 100-degree wow. uh, heat.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You, know, mm-hmm. you're 12, you know, you have 12-hour you you know, twelve hour shifts in the oil for 2 bucks an hour. And so I'm getting a dollar for this quantity, man. I was making money. But I was having fun. But but it began to get to me, Rob, because I, I'd lay out the cards, and I'd start talking, and, and, and all of a sudden I'd start saying things, and I didn't know where this stuff was coming from. And when, where it popped into my head and all of a sudden these people would start crying or they'd get like emotional or whatever, and, oh my God, you're reading my life and all this stuff. And it was getting bizarre. It was getting to the point that I was beginning to think, uh-oh, is there something to this stuff, you know? And and, and honestly, I was afraid. I, I got afraid because I, I'd, I'd grown up in this multicultural background and you have to understand it if you grow up in a, in a Hispanic mm-hmm. culture, there are a lot of what we call curanderos, uh, which are, are healers, and there are a lot of brujas, which are witches, you know. Yeah. And so you have this sort of superstitious outlook to start off with. And I thought, oh, Lord, man, am I, am I doing Satan's work here, or I'm possessed or something, you know. And, it really scared me after a while. And so then I, I, I was going to destroy these cards. I, I, I said, oh, man, i got to get rid of these and I couldn't do it. I couldn't get rid of them. I, I, finally, one day, I just put them down. I just put them down and walked off. I don't know who picked them up later, but I took the cowardly way out because I, mm-hmm. I was actually afraid to, to burn them or whatever. You know, it, it was bizarre, Rob. I, I have to tell you, one of the weirdest experiences of that sort in my entire life.
1: Wow. wow. So so you've yeah, gone so, you've, so got... you've done everything. You you you've done zen, you've done martial arts, you've done tarot card readings, you're 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 a, you're a painter. What is your life's goal?
2: Oh my goodness. That's a that's a great question. You know, my life goal now, I've got this wonderful wife. I've got a wonderful we we both live a wonderful life and we both say that what we'd like to do is somehow become good enough people and, and, and so forth that, we, that we'll virtually, you know, uh, our, our spirits will cross to the other side mm-hmm. in a very peaceful way. And actually, we'll, we'll stay right where we are. We love where we are. It, it, you know, there are places in Texas that are really not pretty and really not comfortable and really ugly, you know. Right. But where we live now is absolutely beautiful. It, it's, it's it's as good as it gets. and of course, the summers are rough, but if if we could come back and be perpetually, eternally here in sort of a Texas springtime,
3: mm-hmm. uh, it wouldn't
2: get any better. So I think my goal is to, you know, live my life out and touch as many people as I can in a positive way. And I'm hoping to turn out that one work of art that somebody goes, wow, that's it, buddy, that's a."
1: You, you know what? I've got some news for you. You, were all, you already have turned out that piece of art, but you, my friend, don't realize it. Do you know why?
2: I'm afraid to guess.
1: Because you, sir, are that piece of art.
2: Well, thank you, Rob. I, gosh, that, I've never had anybody say that. That's, uh, wow, that's a compliment. That's, um, right?
1: Because here, here you've been talking to me over the, uh, nearly an hour now. You've told me about the very time that you had that epiphany, that, that moment in your life that you realized things weren't as they were. Here you were, this martial arts master, and you were going to take on that person who was that drunk who was sleeping on the sidewalk outside of your place. And then the barber came along and showed him kindness, showed him compassion, took him in shaved him, washed his hair, washed him off, got him a job, got him a new set of clothes. And that changed your life. And you know what? You came on international radio, gave that example so others could learn. Sir, that is what a piece of art does.
2: Thank you. I, I, I really appreciate that. And, and, and I do hope that, that that helps somebody out there. I really do. Mm-hmm. I, I, when I say it changed my life, that's a very sincere and personal uh, statement.
1: You and I have to take a break. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with our special guest, Pablo Solomon. Pablosolomon.com. Don't go away.
3: Officers
2: on
1: the scene. Hi, I'm Larry Lawson, host
2: of Paranormal Stakeout. With over 36 years in law enforcement, I've learned a few things. The most important is the proper gathering and preservation of evidence is vital to putting the bad guy behind bars.
1: You're listening to the X Zone Broadcast Network. www.xzbn.net. Pablo Solomon is my special guest. His website is www.pablosolomon.com. That's www.pablosolomon.com. And I was asking Pablo uh, where people can see his 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 art, and he said all you have to do is go to his website, contact him, and make arrangements to actually go and visit him at his home. Which, by the way, Exxon Nation, was built in 1856 by a famous Texas Ranger. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: You know, uh, Rob, it's a great story. Uh, the, 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 the Texas Ranger's name was Moses Hughes. And uh, he the way he got this land, his family participated in the Texas Revolution mm-hmm. in 1836. Everyone who participated in the Revolution got... Anywhere between 6 and 1,200 acres of land. And if you were a widow, you might inherit a little more or get a little bit more in the form of a land grant. And he took his land up here. Uh, and how that happened is a great story. He had married a lady from a town near Austin, Texas, which was a little more civilized back then. Where, where we are, which is about 70 miles northwest of Austin, was Comanche territory. But uh, he married a lady named Hannah Berry. Mm -hmm. His father was very well-known in Texas history because he founded a college in a town down near Austin. But uh, Hannah, he and Hannah had two children, and Hannah became very ill and just wasn't getting any better. Well, Moses Hughes heard from the Native Americans, the Indians up here, about springs that had healing properties. So in the early 1850s, he brought his wife up here in the hopes that she would be healed by drinking and bathing in in the spring waters, which... Some of them are very high in sulfur. And sure enough, she got better. In fact, she got so much better, she went on to have ten children. Wow. Well, the fame of the springs spread, and pretty soon a town built up around the springs, and Moses used built a mill there along where the town is now. Then he took his 1,200-acre grant out where our farm is, ranches, is, because um, the springs out here are fresh water. They don't have the sulfur taste to them. And so he began building this house in the early 1850s and finished it in 1856. It's a typical Texas Pioneer home, two-story with two-feet-thick rock walls and uh, a two-story uh, porch that runs across the front of the house and so forth. And oh, it's, just, it's just a great place. My wife and I uh, had been looking for a home in this part of Texas for years, literally years and years and years. When we walked in the door here, we knew we were home. We, we were here 10 minutes and, and bought the house, and then we spent two years doing nothing but working on it.
1: Pablo, I hate to do this, but the hour has come, my friend. You and I have oh to say so God, long for now. And uh, I want to thank you very much for joining us. Continued success, and we look forward to the next time you and I visit here in the Exxon. Nation Pablo Solomon has been our guest. www.pablosolomon.com. That's www.pablosolomon.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as the Exxon continues. We're right here, live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Talkstar Radio Network and on the Exxon Broadcast Network. Don't go away. We'll be back after this break.